Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Morning, church. You guys need to talk longer. We got the guy that does the announcement videos out on his honeymoon this last week, so didn't even get any setup music. But it is good to be with you today. Just want to share with you a few announcements that we have in the life of the church. We are three weeks away from Resurrection Sunday. In between now and then, uh, an opportunity to uh, walk through Holy Week. Um, and before, before that, before Palm Sunday, which we have the kids kind of preparing a little, a little thing to lead the church in on Palm Sunday, uh, we're partnering actually with, with St. Paul Church and Crossroads and uh, uh, Emmanuel Lutheran with uh, Easter egg extravaganza uh, at, at St. Paul's on, on April 1st. And so I think it'll be a fun time, an opportunity for church partnerships and, and community uh, we're looking forward to that, but uh, just wanted to remind you of, of Holy Week service times. I know if your family is like mine, um, starting to work through Good Friday and Easter Sunday and plans and making sure that take time for worship and taking time for family. And so uh, Good Friday, we'll have a, we'll have a service uh, on Good Friday, 6 p.m. And then Sunday morning, for those of you who are early risers, if, if 9 is not early enough for you, uh, come to our 7.30 service. And I promise you I will be a little more uh, energetic than Chip's been in the past. I know he, he did not enjoy that service and getting off that extra time. But hey, the Lord will be up and so will we. And so 7.30 Easter Sunday, if that's something that, uh, that you and your family uh, want to make plans for. And then I just want to direct your attention to the bulletin uh, for, for more information on what's coming up in the life of the church. Uh, one last thing I'll say. Twice a year we take our alabaster offering. Alabaster offering is something that um, we participate in the Church of the Nazarene and this offering goes directly towards brick and mortar projects in, in the life of the church, in the global church. And so this is what it means to be a global partner. And, and so whether it's schools or churches or clinics or whatever it is, uh, the, the money that we bring in through our offering time with our alabaster offering, we send it out um, around the world and receive it. So amen? amen? Amen. Good stuff. So if I can, I'll just, uh, I want to start with some reflections. Last Sunday... Um, if someone asked me today how, how Sunday, last Sunday was and the, the installation process and, you know, it was a gift. I think it was a really beautiful thing. Um, just so grateful for uh, our denomination, the process, um, Pastor Dave, his willingness and availability to, to be a part of that. And... Um, I just want to thank you for that participation, the affirmation, the, the confidence. Um, Sunday's the day that I, last Sunday, I, I, I soon won't forget. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a beautiful day. There's so much joy and anticipation that comes with 
you know, this new role in what's ahead, and I'm certain there'll be many challenges ahead, but one thing I know for sure is that this has caused me to increase my dependency on the Lord in a new way, a new level, (laughs) Um, in a good way. You know, he often does give us more than we can handle, and it's to prove our reliance on him. And so I've been one that have, has, has never really adhered to the whole, uh, he will never give you more than you can handle, because he has, but he has supplied a way. And as I've trusted in him and I've responded to him, he is the one who has strengthened and equipped. Um, so that way we can handle things. That's just a word for, for us today. The weight of this office of pastor um, this oath, if you will, to lead, to equip, to uh, challenge, to teach, to admonish. Um, you know, James 3 talks about how not many of you should become teachers. It's this sobering reminder of the, the strict judgment that comes, and it really draws you to humility and to surrender and um, to sobriety <laughs> in the weight of Uh, leading his flock. And it's a powerful thing, but it's a beautiful thing. And I can't think of another place that I would rather be just because it's where I've sensed his calling on my life. And so my mission here is to, to preach Jesus and to not only do that, but to strive to be like him. We preach Jesus not to just learn more about, about who he is intellectually, but for it to take hold, to take root, and to do something with it. You know, I often say in passing that the light that shines the furthest shines brightest at home, and we have all these ambitions of making a difference in the world and, and being a church on mission and doing these things, but it starts at home that to to evangelize, we must first disciple. We must first grow. We must first become a deep well where then we can just overflow and go. And our mission is out of our overflow on who we are as a people of God. So my prayer is for just continued spiritual growth, for for an awakening, for a a response. to grow in faith, to grow in faith. Can I pray for us this morning as we begin today? Uh, Father, as you lead us into a new chapter, Lord, it's a continuation of your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who in harnessing the work of the kingdom and in, in, in you in giving us the responsibility as people of the earth right now to steward what you've already done, to stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us and trust in faith what you will continue to do, Lord. Or may we do so in boldness and confidence. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Lord, and I pray that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth 
Be pure in your sight, Lord, as I share from your word today and what you've spoken to me. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to follow along in the Bible app today, notes will be up on the screen. encourage you to do that. We are in Luke 17 this morning. We're in the midst of our walk through the Gospel of Luke, which started around Thanksgiving time, actually. Started the first Sunday in, in Advent. And to be honest with you, uh, me kind of leading off in an interim role, I'm like, I don't know what to do, so we're just going to preach Jesus for the next 20 weeks. And so that's what we've been doing. And, and we've been working through the Gospel of Luke, and, and the whole deal is to look at kingdom concepts in order to strengthen our understanding and to build our faith. And so we understand the life and the ministry and the purpose of Christ so that we may better live it out. That Luke's gospel is describing this great drama set in motion by God. A drama of calling creation back to himself. Through restoration, through reconciliation at the cross. And so the first handful of chapters begin with his ministry in Galilee and, and, and all throughout the area. And now we're uh, in the midst of this journey in Luke 17 where they're on their way to the holy city. They're on their way to Jerusalem for the culmination of what's to come. And of course the disciples don't fully understand. And later on in, in, in Luke 17, he, he talks about his second coming. He talks about what's happening and what the things that will come to pass. And they're just, just kind of going over their head. Um, but in Luke 17, he's with his disciples and he, he offers this warning to his disciples at the beginning of 17. And he cautions them against uh, the weight of teaching and leading. And he cautions them against not leading little ones in the faith astray, away, not misleading them. It's of utmost importance, he says, that we lead those young in the faith with clarity, with excellence. It would be better for you to have a millstone around your neck and to fall into the depths of the sea than to lead one of these little ones astray. And Jesus knows that the apostles will soon be given this apostolic authority to carry on the work of the church, right? And to, um, and to scribe and to testify to the things that they've seen and witnessed in the life of his ministry. And so, He's giving careful consideration and thought and warning to his disciples. Hey, focus. And so he does this and again, I love the disciples. I've been reading a book on the, the life of the disciples and more of their personalities and what they're like. And um, it's just a bunch of misfits and, and, and people that are just least of these, right? And, but that's what, that's, what, that's what the kingdom's like. And, and that's what, as we walk through Luke, you know, the, the unlikely messengers of the kingdom come to light, right? And the disciples are, are these people. They're the fishermen, the tax collectors, the, the, the people that are hated, the, the people that are just kind of outcasts, and he's bringing them in, and there's dysfunction, but then there's unity, and, uh, and so he brings this warning to them. And their response would probably be, a lot like ours. Luke 17, 5. We've got two verses out of Luke today. The first one is this. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> based on the warning, based on the things you're telling us, 
Lord, increase our faith. That their plea for greater faith was that they might be adequate for the task given them. The weight of the task given them. The things that that the Christ is preparing them for and that they will one day do. And I resonate with this text this week because this has been increasingly my prayer. And I feel like this is a timely word for for me, uh, maybe for this church and and, and where we're at, but mostly for me, (laughs) where I'm at personally. Sense of feeling inadequate for a task. And so I say, Lord, increase my faith. More than any other time in my life, I've prayed this, that he would increase my faith. Not in the concept of Jesus, the theology of Jesus, the thought of Jesus, but the person of Jesus as Lord, as Savior. Less about this, more about this, the trusting attitude of Jesus of knowing who he is as redeemer. And so today I have a question for you. Question for me, question for all of us. Question is this, how is your faith? It's a wellness check. How's your faith today? Where are you at? What's happened in your life? What's God doing in your life? I reflect on um, a time in my life where the Lord really challenged me. Besides this, I was just reflecting this week. And in 2012, I sensed the leading of the Lord. I had already been here a couple years. I don't know if I've shared this much or to this extent, but um, the story of, I moved to Colorado for a year, went to a school of worship, since I needed some kind of hands-on practical training as far as leading others in worship and the, not only the technical aspects of it, but also the, you know, the more fundamental uh, theological concepts and, and just, um, just overall just an, an increase um, in preparedness. And so uh, I, started, I started testing out what that could look like in Colorado so far away, 1,200 mile, miles from home and you know, this was not in the, the pedigree of, of my family. You know, we are, I mean, we are like generations and generations in Henry County. So, I mean, I'm not going to, what am I thinking moving out, out of the state? But it's the first time in my life that I remember sensing the Lord asking me to do something that would radically change everything about my life. That and the faith that it required to do that. The action that had to come out of that faith would be immense. I'd never lived out of Northwest Ohio. I had a girlfriend here. I had a family here. I I knew no one out there, but I trusted it was the Lord, and so I went to a preview weekend. I just kind of stepped, dipped my toe in the water, went to a preview weekend, spring 2012. Went with my mom. I think I was like 23 at the time, unmarried. So went with my mom. Needed someone to pay my way out there and to pay for my meals. And, to... and so we went and 
I can't describe the assurance that God gave me fully as I met people out there. The logistics of it and, and moving thousands of miles away and, and, um, and how the things just seem to take care of themselves. Went out to preview weekend, immediately met people. We were fast friends. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And then uh, went, to, went to church on Sunday morning and um, moved around the, the, the worship room and um, ended up sitting by a couple. A couple actually sat next to us. So we met uh, during the meet and greet, actually, and uh, exchanged some, some, some stuff about ourselves. And after the service, they just sensed the Lord speaking to them saying, um, hey, I think we should keep in touch. We'd love to pray over you, pray for you in your next, you know, as you, as you consider coming out here. I don't know if I've ever articulated this well or not, but... Um, The little meet and greet time that we do, um, I watched it work in real time as the Spirit of God moved because they ended up being my host family. They paid my way. They, they, they paid for my food. They, they gave me free room and board. They lived five minutes from the church. All because during worship, they sensed the Spirit of God saying, hey, take the next step with these people. Take the next step with these people. And as a sidebar, my prayer for the meet and greet time that we do in church, the chit-chat, is that if there's a word that you have for someone across the room, go tell them. Because it might be life-changing. It might be the affirmation that they need. It might be the strength that they need to carry on. And so if the Lord's revealing something to you during worship, if he's putting something on your heart, walk across the room and tell someone about it. Because you might be the answer to someone else's prayer. When they're just testing the waters of faith and seeing if God will do what he says he does come back here, prayed, continued to, to work through uh, what it would look like. Pastor Dave at the time, you met him last week, if you didn't already know him. Uh, he's like, you know what, Ben? We'll keep, we'll keep your position here for you through Christmas. And then at Christmas, you let us know if you feel God leading us back here. And uh, I go, okay, guess that chick checks another one off the list. There's a sense of security I didn't think I would have. Um, had people in the church just write a check for tuition. Found out I was going, knew what it was. Made a way. Stepping out in faith. And the Lord just showed himself over and over again. You see, when we respond to God by giving him our lives, Faith gets the next move. Because when we respond to God, trusting in him completely, giving our lives to him, then it requires faith to continue in that pursuit. What do we do with it? How does it look? 
What does it change about our lives? We know from Hebrews 11.1, 1, the faith is a biblical definition, I guess, of, uh, of faith. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not yet seen. The author of Hebrews goes on to testify that it is faith that leads to trusting in the great things of God. They had assurance, the people in in Hebrews 11, the the faith chapter, had assurance of the promises of God because of their hope in him, of who he was. And they were convinced of the things that were unseen. It says in 11 that by faith, Noah, what a fool to those around him, being warned by God about things not yet seen in, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. By which, he command, by which he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham left his homeland for the assurance of what God would continue to do. By faith, Jacob and Joseph obeyed and trusted. They acted. By faith, Moses led the people out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness, where the Lord provided for them daily. Their faith acted. It hoped for, it knew. The convictions were set in. It was by their faith that they believed, they trusted, and they followed God. Even before he proved himself to them. And so the disciples are learning the same thing, right? And they, they follow Christ and they learn what it, what it looks like to follow him. They're still learning to act out their faith and to act into their faith and to trust in him and to discern and understand what he's trying to teach them. And they... They thought that with this responsibility set before them as apostles that they needed an even greater measure of faith. And then Jesus says this. He says that the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would save this mulberry tree, be uprooted, and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. You see, a little faith is, goes a long way. That's what he's saying. You don't even need that much to start out with. Stip your toe in the water. Test it out. See that I'm faithful. See that I'm true. See that I'm real. He's assuring them that they have what it takes if they would only keep their faith active. You see, faith acts. And so when they begin to live out this faith, what do you do with that? You don't actually cast mountains into the sea or the mulberry tree into the sea, but a faith that great, you use it to preach. It brings healing. It brings endurance. It brings forgiveness. A little faith goes a long way. And so how's your faith today? Have you trusted him lately? Have you consecrated yourself to him or are you distracted? So what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is talk about five ways that real faith moves mountains. Authentic faith. Number one is that real faith saves. 
Of course, we know this, right? Three weeks from today, we're going to celebrate the greatest triumph in the history of the world, in the history of all creation, when we celebrate the resurrection of our, of our Savior. It saves. And my prayer is, I hope, you, I hope you believe that. I hope you have expressed faith in Christ for that. Because this is what it's all about. This is, this is like step one, where he came to be the atoning sacrifice for us. By his stripes, we are healed. The faith in Christ provides salvation for the soul. It gives freedom over the bondage of sin, shame, and regret. It calls us by a new name. We are adopted into something new, right? And he is the one who provides it. Ephesians 2. We know this. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. But it's by faith. It's by faith. We begin to acknowledge that this real faith is the one that saves. That faith the size of a mustard seed, this active faith. Faith of the heart. Faith faith that trusts. That faith is not fire insurance. It's not just to keep us out of Death and hell, faith is to offer us new life into something new. I have this, I have this, uh, this real struggle with um, the sinner's prayer. I've, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it abused. I think I was probably saved eight or 12 times when I was little because I didn't understand and I was just afraid. And so I just like, oh, come forward because I sinned this week and I don't know what that means. And and I have a really hard time. Um, don't get me wrong. There must be repentance. But I've, I've watched as, as pastors and churches have, have you manipulated this over in the past. And, and what happens is then it actually doesn't amount to faith because I see how people go on to live and it was just a re, an emotional response to the moment. And nothing fundamentally changed about them. And I don't know, but the Bible that I read says that when we say yes to Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And it brings us into a new life, right? And that is, this, that is the saving faith. So yes, we ought to be praying into those things and trusting and believing into those things. But there's no magic formula. It's just surrender. It's just Surrender. Because he goes on to say in, in Ephesians 2.10 that we are, created, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. So if we have the saving faith, if we respond to that, then good works follow. That a, light, a new life, a new, a, new, a new direction comes. And so yet, yes, we pray those prayers of repentance, but also it brings us into a new season and a new thing that God wants to do. It doesn't stay there. There's spiritual growth that happens, right? Number two, it testifies. Real faith testifies that when salvation comes, when surrender comes, 
when God works a new thing in you, that real faith causes you to be a living testimony to all of those around you about what Christ did in you. It preaches. It's good stuff. Just like the disciples then, faith in Christ moves us to witness. It moves us to to tell others about it, right? And so that's the essence of of the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Teaching them to obey all the things that he's commanded. And these things shall come to pass. It causes us to do something. Real faith not only saves, but it testifies about who Christ is. We go and do It points others in the directions and says, hey, this way, I found the narrow road. We just sang about it this morning, that his word is true. I'm I'm living proof of that. Come follow me. Let me show you. Come taste and see with me that the Lord is good. Number three. Real faith satisfies. It satisfies your desires with good things. I love that word in Psalm 103. Psalm 107 9 tells us that he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. He brings satisfaction, he brings peace. We rest and we say, Nothing more is needed from me than to be a child of God and to live into my inheritance. The striving can cease. I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the king, and I can rest in that. John 6.35, Jesus tells them that I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We don't have to thirst for the things of this world anymore because we're satisfied in Christ. And all these other things will be added unto you if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He is the one who satisfies. You know, it grieves me. It's, it's hard to to watch believers and, and how they look like a lot of the rest of the world because they live without the peace and this, 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 they're still hungering for something else. They haven't, I, I don't know if they haven't fully tasted and seen, but, but then they go headlong in all the other distractions and all the other things and um, they pray God's blessing over it and they believe it's of God and they just tell you how blessed they are, but the things they're doing is carrying them away from the kingdom. Like, I don't know that that's, I, I don't know how that's the blessing of the Lord if he's pulling you away from his bride, the church. Because we're looking at, at Christ as just a piece of the pie instead of the whole thing that satisfies. But he satisfies, real faith satisfies. It is satisfied in Christ. And it's out of who Christ made you to be. It sets your motivations, your desires, your goals, your ambitions. 
being a son and a daughter of the king. Number four, real faith trusts. Peter trusted enough in Jesus to get out of the boat, come towards him. Noah certainly trusted in God that the rains would one day come. He dedicated 100 years of his life to the hard labor of building a boat. But his faith caused him to trust completely. He was all in. And his works showed it because then he did what God called him to do. Sure, he looked foolish, but nevertheless, he trusted. For me, this was a big one. Trust. That faith produces trust in Christ. It was that way for me for in, in, when I went to Colorado and then when I moved there. And, and as I trusted a little bit more in the Lord, he, he, he showed himself faithful. And then I trusted a little more and he showed himself faithful. And I'm going to be honest with you, the last six months for me, have been the same. That I've wrestled with my own inadequacies and I've told the Lord reasons why I'm not fit for this and that I'm, why you need to look elsewhere and why it's somebody else's job. And like Peter getting out of the boat and walking towards Christ in faith, trusting in the Lord makes you vulnerable, makes you exposed. causes you to step out into uncertainty sometimes. Because the safety net, the security net that we think we have is taken away from us. It says, no, step out. Trust me. Do it. Say, Lord, then just give me the faith to do it. And I'll do it. The Lord gave me a phrase for this year, the end of January, or beginning of January. I prayed for a word for the year and a, and a, a phrase. And the phrase was, uh, do the hard things. If there's going to be hard things that come, I promise you, do them. They're the things I'm asking you to do. And in preparing this week, I think he showed me that what it actually means is trust me completely. And when I tell you to do something, go do it. Trust that I'll come through for you. Even if they're difficult conversations that need to be had. Trust me completely in that, that I will be glorified. That if you do this with humility, with reverence, of sober mind, of sober judgment. And trust me completely in this and I'll prove myself faithful. Trust me completely. Oftentimes his way is the scariest, it's the most uncertain and it's because it requires faith in the things that we don't see yet, right? that it hasn't manifested itself in the physical yet. So I ask you, do you have a faith that trusts? 
Do you have a faith that trusts him completely? Because I believe trust is the ingredient that grows our faith. That if we're ever to be this giant mustard tree, that it begins as a seed. And we trust him and we water it with trust. And he shows himself faithful and we grow and we see it's happening and so we trust a little more. And it grows and we trust a little more and it grows. Do you have a faith that trusts in him completely? Number five, last one. It's that real faith sanctifies. Talk about this word a lot around here. Sets us apart. We're seen as righteous. Makes us holy. He makes us holy. Faith in Christ transforms our lives from the inside out. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, making us more loving, more kind, more compassionate, more trustworthy. That we've died to ourself, being sanctified in Him. The old is gone, the new has come. The real faith fixes our mind on the things above. And we emulate Christ. We begin to look like him. We begin to, uh, being the salt and light of the earth, right? Living satisfied lives at peace, in unity, sharing him with the world. You know, you and I sitting in this room today, it's important to talk about where we've been. It's important to remind ourselves of where we've been. Scripture talks a lot. God telling his people, don't forget the things that I've done for you. Remember when I, when I did this. Remember when I did that. Sitting in this room today, you and I are a testimony of the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. That by faith, a man who has gone to be with the Lord, many of us have never met, had a heart for this place. The Lord impressed upon him to start a church, and he did. And by faith, A group of teenagers on our district helped raise funds to purchase the land that you're sitting on today. And by faith, small church, this community of believers was formed. By faith, people like Pastor Dave and others answered the call of God to serve, to shepherd, to love. And others have answered the call to serve and to be a part of the story, of God's story. By faith, the people of God gave themselves their labor, their talents, their first fruits sacrificially to be the church. And now it's by faith that we're led into a new season, a new chapter. 
we are part of the story. And so what part are we going to play? Is this the end of the story or by people of faith are we into moving into a new chapter of the story? Being convicted of the things unseen, hoping in what he will continue to do, the thing that he started. For some of you today, your faith is alive and well. You're ready to go for it. You've been with the Lord. You've, uh, you've seen it work, these five things. It's like, okay, okay, like I, you know, I've grown in these areas. I have this to grow in, but, but for the most part, like this is where I'm locked in. For, the, for some of you, your faith is dormant, hasn't been used. You said the prayer. Okay? My prayer today is that that would be awakened. That your faith would be awakened, it would be stirred. There's a reason the new covenant and the new law requires dependency on the Holy Spirit. Because see, the, the old covenant, the people made it about the law, about the thing, that if I can just do this and do this and do this, then I'll be good to go, and, and, and while all the while being dormant here. And so the new covenant of Christ and this new kingdom and these new concepts and, and, and what it looks like to live out, it requires faith. Just a little bit to get you started. But it can't be dormant. It's got to be active. It's got to move. It's got to take the next step, no matter how big that is. Little baby steps. Growing your faith. Trusting in him. Because it's by faith and trust in the Holy Spirit and what he's doing that we can respond, right? Faith gets the, gets the next step that after we trust in God, we have to respond in faith. And so we say yes to him and we become obedient to his, his will, his word, his desire. My prayer is that we would be a church of two things. We hold these two things in balance. The traditions, the, the prayers, the theology, uh, the scripture, the truth of the last 2,000 years, everything that we stand on the shoulders of today. We remember these things. We hold fast to these things. We, we, we trust and we, we thank the Lord for his faithfulness here. And, and we're spirit-led, hoping, believing in what's to come. The Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit Rootedness, a foundation on the apostles' teaching, right? With Christ as its cornerstone. This foundation, and here we are in the middle, being spirit-led, pulled. See, I'm doing a new thing. Follow after me. Hold on to these things and follow after me. And so this morning, I just want to end affirming who we are as a church what we believe as a church. And pray that the Lord would continue to guide us and equip us in faith.
guys good today? Yeah? I don't ever know if we're just just waiting around or and to, to, to leave or if this is just just hitting home. I don't know. This is where I've been. The Lord's been challenging me in my faith. Hey, if you say who I, if you, if you say I am who you say I am, then start living into it and live into it more than the day before. Trust me more today than yesterday and you'll be just fine. So Father, we come before you today praying that as the church we would be a people who live out our faith. A faith that saves because of what Christ did for us on the cross. A faith that testifies to the world around us. The great commission. A faith that trusts in you for next steps, for our path, for our way forward. A faith that sanctifies leads us to righteousness, that you do a new thing in us. And so we hold fast to the things that you've already done. We celebrate those. We tell the story of what you've already done. But we don't live there. We keep our eyes focused, fixed on your spirit, where you're leading us, where you're prompting us to go, even if it seems crazy, even if it seems foolish. Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for uh, discernment, Lord, as a church that is spirit-led. Lord, I thank you for this body, that it's many members working together in faith, edifying each other, giving an encouraging word, Lord. I pray that we would be people of faith, that we would be not ashamed to, to share our faith and we would not be ashamed or or. or or, or scared to give an encouraging word that we sense you speaking to us for someone else, Lord. But this is what the essence of the church body is meant to be about. That we come here to be equipped, ready for the day ahead. And so, Lord, increase our faith, we pray, knowing that you will supply every good thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand today. As we go, I want to... We're going to recite the Apostles' Creed together. We just sang about it. I love because I believe what we sing shapes what we believe. And so much of, of, of what we sang about this morning is exactly what I taught on. And, and just wanting to affirm this as we go today to button it up, we say this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his Holy Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen? Amen.
Have a great Sunday. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.